welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. In this episode, I talk to a listener called Elaine, who shares her story of divorce after her husband um, had a mental health deterioration and she cared for him for a long time and then eventually had to make the decision that she had to choose herself and that she wanted a divorce and to leave the marriage. And I'm really glad that Elaine got in touch and opened up about this because it's not really something that we've covered before on the podcast. You know, when you have to care for someone else um, and the fact that you can lose yourself a little bit in that caring for the other person and when is when is the time to make that decision and and also the guilt around this um sort of decision so it's a really interesting honest chat with Elaine um and I opened up to her about the fact that when I was in sixth form, I said to my friends that I wanted to be divorced five times and have many husbands, um, which isn't something I've thought about uh, until recently. And now I'm like, oh, I'm not sure if I still say the same thing now. I'm older and wiser. Maybe it was a comedy bit. But there we are. So enjoy this chat. So I am joined by Elaine, a listener. Welcome to The Divorce Social. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. How does it feel to be on the podcast? Very surreal. Very strange. Does my voice sound weird in your Your head? No, it sounds lovely. I'm used to listening to you in my head. (laughs) I walk the streets with with you in my head listening to your podcast. So, yeah. I mean, I feel like I should apologise for being in your head all the time, but, you know. <laughs> no, it's made, a good thing. You made a decision, Elaine, and you clicked play. Yes, so yes. Maybe I shouldn't apologise. No, don't. Um, <laughs> well, thank you for coming on and sharing your story. Thank you. So how does it feel being divorced on the divorce social? So I knew you were going to ask me this, and I've thought about this, and I can't find the right words apart from never somewhere I thought I would ever be but okay now why is it never somewhere you thought you'd be because I never dreamed that this would happen to me I thought as I guess most people do that everything was plain sailing and rosy around the door and that was my future I had it all planned out It's interesting you say it's never somewhere you thought you'd be. And I guess no one really expects 
they're going to be divorced. Although I did mm. used to say, apparently in sixth form, I'm going to have five husbands like Elizabeth oh, really? Taylor. <laughs> um, but I don't think I actually believed it when I got married. Um, what What's your kind of background of, is there anyone you know who's been divorced? Were your parents together? You know, had you ever come across come across it before? Um, my parents are still together. They've just celebrated their silver wedding anniversary. Yeah, my grandparents were together. It, wow. Yeah, in in our side of the family, it's it it's not. I'm the only only one, um, family wise, but friends wise, we were becoming the last men standing. Almost everyone around us, all our friendship groups were literally dropping like flies they were all separating there was us and another couple and it was a joke we were the last men standing and we thought that was the way it was going to be even with people around me my dad didn't think this was going to happen to me and what was that like when everyone around you was getting divorced was there a sort of extra pressure not to or to get divorced too no definitely not I think there was an extra pressure not to because we were quite proud of Actually, we'd been together since, you know, I was 18. So such a long time and built such a beautiful life that we I think we made, well, I did definitely made an extra effort that, yeah, we're going to be together forever. And so you said you had your plan and you were going to be together forever. What was it like when that all changed? The only way for me with what I went through, I'd describe it as I just heartbroken. My just, just like a bereavement. Literally, that's the only way I can describe my journey is, is been like a bereavement, like a grieving process for my whole old life, new life, and then the trauma in the middle. That That's the only way I could sort of associate it with, like a broken heart. And he- are you happy to talk about whether it was a shock to you or whether it was your decision? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, it was my decision. Yeah, it was my decision. He became very unwell five years ago, um, poor mental health, just out of nowhere, literally out of nowhere. We had no, you know, no reason, you know, everyone wants a reason. Everyone wants a, why did this happen? There was no reason. He just became really unwell and and sort of destroyed our marriage and our family life. And after three years of that, I had to say, I can't do this anymore. You know, I hold my hands up. You know, I give up kind of thing. So I made the decision last April, literally last April, this time last year, because I was away with some with my boys. Um, and it, because his behavior was so bad, I made the decision there, to, I have to stop this. And I, yeah, I spoke to a solicitor literally a year ago this week. And are you officially divorced now? Yeah, that came through in December. That's so fast. Yeah. It was really, uh, yeah, because everyone said because of the new system, it's going to take ages. And no, yeah, by the beginning of the 7th of December. It's interesting that that was so fast and it's a lot faster than a lot of the people I've spoken to. I wonder yeah. if that's a was a good thing or was a difficult thing because you made the decision and then it happened and maybe your brain didn't have time to catch up. Yeah, I think that's that's really true actually because then at the time when you're in all the heightened emotions of everything, you're going through it all and then all of a sudden you get, like uh, you've said before, you get an email. <laughs> My sister didn't even phone me. I just got an email out of the blue like, two weeks before Christmas, like, oh, that's it. Okay. Anything else going to happen? And anyone going to phone me? What do I do now? Like, do I, do I phone someone up and tell them or like, yeah. And then it was a bit sort of a bit of a strange feeling because we don't talk. So I don't, I didn't know if he'd got his email. I didn't know how he was feeling. I didn't know whether to tell the children that you know they're, they're big they're not little so it was all a bit bit strange and I think this this sort of 2023 this last couple of months has been a, another different journey of accepting that that's happened now and that's it 
It's so interesting because when divorces take a really long time, you know, mine took a while and all I wanted was it for it to be over. But then equally, I guess when it does take a while, at least you sort of have time to get your head around it. Mm. But yeah, let's talk about this email because this is one <laughs> of my this is one of my bugbears yeah. because it's such an emotional process and then you just get like an email with an attachment with it with an attachment it's not even <laughs> in the not, email it doesn't even come in the post or it's an attachment and that's the end of like what I was 20 24 years of marriage and that's it an attachment and I think that that I actually thought that was really sad that made me sad that it was just an email it's just such an anti-climax, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I think I've said before, I expected them to turn up at my door like the postcode lottery. Like with, with a, a scroll. What would you have wanted? What would have been a good scenario? I would have definitely preferred a letter in the post. I'm a bit old-fashioned, I think. Maybe a letter in the post. So I had a piece of paper in front of me because I'm reading this email thinking, well, is, is this it? Am I going to get something else? Is this it? D is this what people, only because I listened to you talking about your attachment. I was like, well, it must be it. Um, I don't know. Maybe even for my solicitor to phone me up and say, did you get the email? Are you okay? I don't know. But I just, yeah, that, like you say, really anticlimactic. It was, it was horrible. And it's something that's so important to you, isn't it? Yeah, I just think, because I know some solicitors and lawyers listen to the podcast, so I'm just thinking if we can advise <laughs> on how to do it better. But I, I agree, like, at least in the, e if it is in an email, at least in the email say, this is it now, yeah, you are yeah. officially divorced. Because mine yeah. didn't even say that, it was like, see attachment. And then the attachment is obviously a legal document. So you're like, it doesn't say you are divorced now, does it? So no, you no. Are like, um, so you, so you are thinking, is something else going to come? Yeah. Or is that it? I had to keep Googling the wording of it to think, is this it? <laughs> yeah. So I think even in the email, just to say, hello, this is it, you're divorced now. You would are be divorced. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, I think you're right. Like a phone call, just like you probably play, paid the solicitor a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. A phone call that they don't charge you for just yeah. to say you are divorced now, I think is yeah. it just shows a bit of compassion. I think, yeah, that would have been really nice. And because I had so much contact with her throughout the period of time, she was very good. I'd spoken to her previously April before for advice and she was really lovely, really patient with me, really understanding. And now I've not heard from her since. And I feel like, I don't know, it's like a bit let down that, you know, I'd made friends with her almost. I know I hadn't, but in my head I had. Mm. She was really supportive. So I think, yeah. And I think and maybe a certificate or something. I'd like us, you know. <laughs> I actually, for a while, I thought of making a certificate. I do need to do that. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to make a, a divorce certificate that people can just like print off from the website if anyone yeah. wants one, <laughs> because <laughs> I wanted one too and like to frame it, you know, like a GCSE certificate yeah. or a <laughs> degree or something. Something like that. Yeah. So that everyone, yeah, people will know when they come in. <laughs> yeah. Here, here we are. Here am I. Here Don't are my ask me. Here life. are my achievements, okay? <laughs> I like uh, that. We're going to make this happen. Okay. So you said that your um before the divorce, you made the decision, but your partner had, he wasn't very well. Mm. Um, What was that like? Because I know a lot of people, you know, at some stage have to care for a partner, um, especially mm. maybe as we get older. And there's a real possibility of losing yourself within that care and thinking, oh, because I have to care for them, I can't think about my own needs. Mm. So how was that process for you? It was really, it was definitely, I definitely lost myself because his needs were so intense and so focused around me. I was literally his everything. I, you know, had to be there 24 seven 
it was so draining um, that I definitely lost part of me in the process. I didn't know who I was. I was just literally looking after him, trying to maintain the family, the mortgage, you know, apps and work full time. Um, literally everything while he was just sort of crumbling around me. And, and it was almost like having another child to look after. And we were, we were so close. We, he was, you know, and I probably still is my soulmate. He is my absolute love forever. I'll never, you know, and we've got four children. I'd never take, you know, what we've been through together away. But, and when I made the decision, he was in denial and 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 told the solicitor no you know he wasn't ready for that he thought there was more you know more to be saved so we were on completely different pages as well we were on a completely different journey so it felt like oh, i can't you know it felt like i was really the bad person for doing this but i'd reached a point where if i didn't do that i would lose me completely and i had to you know, any, you know, people around me were saying it was almost like you, you know, you were a victim of, of some sort of emotional abuse because you, you're not you, you're not the person you were and you've, you've got to get that back. And the only way to get that back was to step out of this toxic situation. But doing it was just absolutely horrific. I can't, you know, like I said about the grieving process, all I can, when I look back now and think, you know, the mornings I sat in my kitchen, just, just crying and crying and crying because I just, my heart was broken. Um, and, and doing stuff like, you know, I'd take my dog out at 11 o'clock at night and listen to <laughs> sad music, walk in the street, Do you know, you know, just really irrational sort of kind of, kind of behavior when I look back now, but I was just broken hearted, totally, totally broken hearted. And that was my way of, of, of dealing with it. And I knew that I had to do that process to try and refine myself again. It's hard, isn't it? Because you think about those marriage vows and it's in sickness mm. and in health. So yeah. you think, right, well, I have to be there for this person yeah. forever, even if they're sick and I think there's there must be such a pressure with that. When did you have those feelings of because there's so much I think feelings of guilt and shame around divorce anyway. Mm. Did you feel extra because of the pressure of those vows or did that not kind of come into it for you? I think I felt the pressure more because I was divorcing somebody that was was potent, that was mentally unwell, so what sort of person am I to do that? Who who does that after twenty odd years together? Why would you leave somebody that that's that's so, you know, would if they had if they had cancer or a physical symptom? Who you know people don't do that, do they? It's you, you just you know, so you know he was mentally unwell and then I and I'm then I'm you know I'm sure that that's a picture that's been painted is that I've gone oh bye bye see you later I don't want to live that life anymore so it was awful it still is it's awful feeling that you know I still have days where I think have I done the right thing you know should I have tried harder but when you become so lost and so you know, it's such a long time of your life. And I know it was in sickness and in health, but how long do you go on living or how long do you go on compromising your own mental health, your own physical health, your own future? That's the kind of point where I'd reached. And, you know, five years in, I didn't see there was any going back. There's so much damage done that I had to save, you know, us, me and the children, really. And I guess it's in sickness and in health and people might see that, they have, you know, they're unwell, whether it mentally or, or physically, but then that can also cause you to become unwell mm. um, mentally or physically. So it's it's kind of when the weighing up of their needs and yours and your family's. So what were the 
signs or when did you get to that point of, okay, I can't do this anymore? Because you say you feel like you lost yourself, but was there a journey to get there or was there a sudden realisation? I don't think there was a sudden realisation. I think it was just an accumulation of things. And I think it was probably probably my eldest children saying to me, mum, you have to start putting yourself first. And they're, they're your biggest critics and biggest, you know, their opinions matter the most to me. And when they're saying to me, mum, you have to, it has to stop. You have to put yourself first. You need to get on with your life. So I suddenly thought, wow, if, if, if they can see that with the little life experience they've had, that's telling me an awful lot. I need, you know, and I have to be a role model for them. I have to be a role model for my daughter to know that, that you have to be a strong woman and, you know, what am I doing? And then I think, yeah, last April, I just thought, and I was getting sort of messages and, you know, calls and stuff. And, and I thought, I can't do this. I can't go back to England and carry on with this process. I had to, I had to do that holiday. I had to step away and have that time away from here and this environment and everything else to think I can't go back to it. The children are telling me that it's time to stop it. That's really amazing that your children were able to say that to you Mm. because I think so many parents I speak to, that's all they want to hear. But so often you have, you know, younger children or how old were your children at the time? So last April they would have been... 20 my oldest is 23 so 23 sorry bear with me 23 20 19 and 15 and are any of them in the house now or to or what do they all live here oh they all live here yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. they all live here so they were right in the midst of everything they had witnessed an awful lot of things they shouldn't have seen he had so many sort of episodes um, and that involved violence and stuff as well. So they saw a lot of stuff they shouldn't have to see, but they were very supportive to both of us. They were always, you know, it was never one-sided. They have massive empathy for mental health now and such an understanding of it, which is the silver lining of it, if you like, that they, you know, um, but they witnessed so much and saw so much pain. And i I feel grateful that they they did appreciate and saw the struggle that I was doing to try and keep it all together for them. And yeah, like you say, for them to say that to me, it was kind of a, wow. Yeah, you need, it's almost like you need their permission. I felt like I'd got their permission to actually say, no, Elaine, it's time for you to come back. And it is a hard thing to do because I remember watching my parents, you know, just being unhappy together. And thinking, oh, I wish they'd split up because they'd both be happier. But it's it's a very, you know, so, I mean, amazing. You've obviously brought them up very well and you have a close relationship. If they feel like they can say that to you, because there are so many times I feel like I wanted to say that, you know, back then to my mum and sort of never did. Um, you said they witnessed a lot of things that they shouldn't have had to, a lot of pain. How does that feel as a mum? to say that oh uh, heartbreaking I can't it's I, well, we were good parents together we were really good parents together and everything was about these guys we focused we maybe part of the downfall I don't know of things but we focused everything on them everything went into these kids having a great life you know we both worked really hard I worked nights he worked days they did everything we did everything together you know we made a real effort to be good parents and then to for this to happen was just so soul destroying and guilt guilty I just felt guilty that they'd had to go through that when we'd I'd worked so hard on them having you know a good life a good childhood a happy childhood as yes it's horrible because it, they still make odd comments and you think mm, that's really sad that you've had to see that or you've had to feel like that but on the like I said on the toss of the coin it's made them different people it's made them more aware of their own mental health it's made them aware of other people's it's made them more empathetic and it's made us communicate better we all like they can say those things to me you know particularly the the bigger ones that the communication we talk about things now you know we'll have a chat about how you're feeling 
how how are you feeling about it and how are you feeling about that so that's something we're more aware of that perhaps we wouldn't have been aware of yeah definitely and I think so many things happen in life out of our control mm. and we all feel guilt around them for you know our loved ones having to go through it but you know none of it was your fault and as you said communication is so important I think at the challenging times you know since so my dad died and I got divorced and since both of those things happened me and my sister particularly and me and my mum are the closest we've ever been and our communication is better than ever and you know sometimes when you're in the midst of it you can't see the positives that will come out Mm. of it in the other end um just because mental health you know a partner's declining mental health is something we haven't really explored on the podcast before. If someone else is kind of in the midst of that, caring for a partner or is feeling like they're losing themselves in that, um, do you have any words of wisdom for them or practical advice that was useful for you? I think you have to seek out the right help. I mean, I work for the NHS, so, you know, I'm its biggest fan, but it's a really failing system, the mental health support system in this country. That is something I have really learned. You get um, odd little moments with different sort of nurses and doctors who throw a bit of light on things, but they are so overrun and, you know, seek out the right help. We did have to go private at one point. Medication is key, getting the right medication. Um, And just my biggest support has just been my family and friends. I literally the people that have you know my family you know my parents my brother and my girlfriends that have just stepped up and been there for me utilize your yeah go and sit in their house and cry for two hours and offload because I did and I had to and they've just been everything to me and been my biggest supporters in keeping me keeping me upright really um, and pushing me and then pushing me forward through this process of grief and you know I can't, giving me my confidence back that, you know, I am going to be okay and keeping me going on those journeys of, our, you know, anxiety of not wanting to leave the house because I felt so rubbish, keeping me going. But yeah, it's, 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 it's a really individual journey, mental health. It's a really, it's a really hard one. There is no support for the carer. That's, that's another big thing. There is nothing to say are you okay are you coping because you've got this other person in such need and obviously that I don't take that away from them but there is nobody out there saying are you okay apart from your own family and friends really and I'm very very lucky I have a lot of a lot of that so that's what's got me through it's it's funny I was just gonna say you know so often when someone's ill whether it's mental health or physical as you said we're very worried about you know getting them the medication and getting them the counseling and seeing the doctors and I was going to say did you get any counseling or see a doctor or get any medication for what you were going through no nothing 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 because there there wasn't the time there wasn't there isn't now the finances because that sort of changed because everything really counseling wise you're gonna have to pay for so no no only just my girlfriends and my family it's um I've actually been in a relationship in the past with someone who had depression and I have anxiety so we were two we were a fun pair um but I think one of the things that I found so difficult is I started to feel responsible for the other person's mood so when they were really sad I thought right I have to cheer them up which as we know is not how depression works you know it's chemicals in the brain and all sorts of things it's not just someone feeling a little bit sad for the day but even though I knew all of that I'd still try my best to like you know try and cheer them up cook them their best meal and then trying to do that every day and waking up thinking how is that person going to be today and how can I try and help you can feel so 
on edge and restless and like you're giving all of yourself. And it really took so much out of me. Um, I can't imagine doing it for as many years as you did. But, um, and I think we don't often talk, you know, I'm very open about my anxiety and I take medication for my anxiety and I've done counseling and I try and meditate and, but we don't often talk about the people around us who are trying to, Mm. trying to cope, but also trying to help. Um, Even when, to be honest, there's not much you can do if someone else is, apart from be there, if someone else is going through something. I think that is one of the biggest things is that you have to accept you cannot fix that other person. You are not their fixer. You can support them and be there, but you cannot fix it. Like I said, again, if it was a physical thing, you'd go to a doctor and they so you have to take them on board. This is this is an illness. You cannot fix that. And that was a big realization for me after, you know, oh, I can't fix this. And he thought I could fix it as well because I fix everything else because I'm the mum of the house and everything that goes wrong is, is what you do. You fix everything. I'll sort it out. Don't worry. And I think that was part of his disappointment with me was that I couldn't fix this. And that that's, it's a lot of pressure. You like you say, you walk in and you, you're on eggshells because you're, you're thinking, okay, I've just finished work. How am I, how is it going to be when I walk in today? What, what, what frame are we in today? Are we okay? Or, you know, try and like you say, it's exhausting. Absolutely exhausting trying to be that person. And also, I, I think, you know, you did say it's, it was like having another child and I don't have any children, but I remember feeling that like, well, right, I can't let them lie in bed with the curtains closed all day. So I'm going to have to go and open the curtains and try and get them up and I need them to try and eat. So I'm going to have to cook something for them. And it is that proper full time caring as if you're caring for a baby who can't do anything for themselves. Yeah, yeah. And and obviously they're going through something incredibly intense and difficult as well. But I think, yeah, we don't often hear the other side of it. No, no, definitely. It is it is exhausting. And you and you you want, you know, you love them, you love this person and, and you want to make it okay for them. And you become despondent in yourself that you can't make it okay. You become disappointed in yourself. Then you then definitely I did, I questioned every part of our life for the last 20 years should I have done that then should I have done this then have I done this because that was something he said a lot you know that a lot of it was my fault he used me as a sort of emotional you know as you do with the person you love most it's you take it out on them and then I did I questioned everything I made this situation it all that kind of stuff you know should I have not taken him there or should I have taken him there have I been a bad wife? Have I, am I a bad mother? That that whole route, you become ridden with all of that guilt as well. It's, it's really sad, really, really sad. Well, thank you for coming on to open up about it because I think it is really important. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia 
gravis or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ding dong. It's the ad break. This podcast is sponsored by Penguin in the Room, an award-winning company that can manage your business's social media. They even manage our podcast, Instagram and Twitter. Just email info at penguinintheroom.com for a quote. Also, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can by buying merchandise from our website, www.thedivorcesocial.com. Ding dong. So coming out of that situation and deciding, prioritising yourself and your mental health and your happiness and getting divorced... How did you then start to, you know, pry yourself away from that incredibly intense situation? So after sort of a big episode, he actually left the family home. It would be two years ago. So he hasn't been here. Although we've been sort of officially separated for a year, he hasn't been here for two years. So I've kind of um, just done me. I've had to just get on with it and do me, carry on raising you know, they're not a little book, being here for the kids, go to work and just keeping everything going. And things like finding comfort in things like listening to podcasts and reading other people's experiences and other people's journeys is really reassuring because you feel really alone. You're all of a sudden, my right arm's gone. He's not here. I'm on my own. And what what happens now? How am I... Ha- how am I going to wire a plug? How am I going to cut the grass? <laughs> I don't know how to do any of them things. Um, so listening to other people, definitely, you just kind of find, I found a bit of reassurance in them knowing that other people have gone through stuff like this. Absolutely. Well, that was why I set up the podcast in the first place, because I was there and I was like, I need to hear that yeah. other people are doing this too and they're and they or they've done it and now they're okay. Um, so other than obviously your favorite podcast in the world, The Divorce Social, um, what else did you find useful? Were there any particular books or podcasts that you listened to which helped? I read the the first, one of the first things ones I read was um Puna Bell about her husband and that yeah. that her book and I, and she'd done a few interviews on podcasts, I think really resonated with me because a lot of the way she described her husband's depression and behavior were just exactly the same as mine. Um, so she was a big, I read both of her books. They really stuck in my mind. Um, and then I listened to a lot of sort of mental health sort of uplifting, you know, like happy place and stuff like that. Um, Things that were quite deep, sort of, sort of different. I listened to what was that guy? The, the you know the chimp paradox guy. Have you read the chimp paradox? Yeah, that really helped. So yeah, I just found my own sort of self resources really of coping to get on this journey by myself as being a single woman. And have you taken any time out for yourself? Because you said you just had to keep going and keep everything together. I do. I do have girlfriends. I have a, my best friend who lives out in Spain. Um, she took me on holiday last year. She took me to Turkey for a week. Um, so just me and her, we've been friends since we were kids, a week in Turkey in the sunshine. And that was my big, I'm going for a week, everybody. Like, <laughs> I'm not doing anything. And I literally didn't do anything. So yeah, I've had that, which was lovely. I like that research and holidays. <laughs> Are your and I can totally relate to that. Are your ways to kind of get through stuff? Yeah. Do you think you'd ever do therapy yourself? 
I do I do think recently I've thought that I probably do need to because I do relay a lot of it over in my head still over and over and I think that needs to come out that's not going to just be sat in a box somewhere I need to unpack that somehow um but I don't know when and I don't know who with I think that'll just be a time thing that I will I've I've had to put you know some of the children through a bit of therapy as well just to um, have their own unpacking of, of you know what's happened so they I wanted them to come first and then at some point yeah I probably will I think you have to I think otherwise it worries me that these things kind of fester and sit there and they need to be unloaded yeah and I think I think it's a process even after you get divorced you know you might have gone through the initial raw emotion of it but then you know even now we're on series 10 of the podcast and I'm still learning new things and unpacking things and going oh actually Mm. yeah that resonates so and also remember what your children said to you yeah yeah, that's very true. Mom, yeah. put yourself first as well. Yeah. Look after yourself too. Um, So you're out in the world mm-hmm. as a single divorced woman. Is there anything that scares you? Because you're. it's really nice to speak to someone so early on in their journey. Have you had a sexual explosion yet? Are you scared of anything? Are you excited? <laughs> I am absolutely terrified. no a i don't have time at the moment there's always time for a sexual (laughs) explosion i know i listen to yours you say that a lot and i think gosh (laughs) um but also you can have a sexual explosion by yourself yeah yeah i've learned a lot of that as well definitely (laughs) um yeah I, i don't know I don't know. It's all a bit of a minefield at the moment. I'm that terrifies me. The whole thing terrifies me. Sex or dating or all of it. The the whole shebang. This 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 mother of four body has got to come back out. This you know. I don't know. I haven't done that. When you meet someone so young, I haven't done that. What do I do? The whole thought of going on a on a date and oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I want. I don't know what I like. I've never had to think about it. So obviously, you know, Tom Hardy, someone like that would be perfect. I don't think he's available. So. Well, not at the moment. Not at the moment. Not at the moment. But yeah, I don't know. It's my head spins at the thought of that. Well, it sounds quite exciting too. You don't know what you like, don't know what you want because you can. It's like you're going to a new buffet and just <laughs> buying out all the options. Yeah. In your own time. <laughs> um, have you ventured on any dates or dating apps? Or I used to um, download them and then delete them. Yeah, three times. Yeah. Yeah, three times. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. Three times, downloaded it, opened it, done that, and gone, oh, no, I don't like it, and <laughs> deleted it. <laughs> yeah. It's a process. Yeah, and that's it. That's as far as it's got. Did you set up the profile before you deleted it? Yeah. Oh, you got quite far. That's good. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I've done the photo and the profile. And then I just found the whole thing really overwhelming. How do you know you like someone just by a photograph? That's Well, there's different apps as well that offer a bit more information. But yeah. when, I, when I first downloaded... I think when I first downloaded an app, it was like quite early days, maybe like only a couple of months in. And I didn't go on dates with anyone. I downloaded it and set up a profile and was like, yeah, it's so exciting. And then got scared and deleted it. But during my it's so exciting phase when I was swiping, I my ex came up. (gasps) I just got divorced that I was getting divorced from. So that Mm. was a very scary, alarming, and I'd taken the photo of him that he used <gasps> as his main photo. Oh no, that's a, is, is that a man thing? They wouldn't have thought that through. Well, I don't know because then I was thinking, well, have I thought through who's taken my photos? But I guess that 
if the closest person to you who's always around, they are going to take, especially initially, yeah, they are going to have taken all the photos. I think a woman would overanalyze every aspect of the photo. I definitely did. Like, is that one, that one? Is that really, yeah. you know, is that good? You know, I just think a man wouldn't think that. That's that's really awkward. It was a very jarring, because obviously I saw his face and was like, ah. Uh. And then I thought, I took that photo, the little <laughs> fucker. And then, and then I scrolled down to read the profile. And then I was like, oh, do I want to read? Oh, I don't know. Why am I reading this? No. Why am I doing this? Yeah. And then I just like swiped off it quickly so that it would be gone. And, and then I couldn't look again. But um, yeah, it's, uh, then I deleted it. Well, for a while I stayed on because I was like, well, he's on. And I yeah. did that competitive thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I definitely... I've definitely um, deleted apps and then come back on them. And yeah. Chatted to people and never met up with them and, and all of that. But um, yeah, I would say, I think the most common thing is everyone is always scared when we yeah. start that process. And we're all older. So our all of our bodies have changed since we did it before. But so have the other people's. Yeah. And I think the the biggest thing I've learned, not that I'm trying to convince you to go on a dating app right now, but <laughs> I think the biggest thing I learned on my sort of dating journey is that everyone's just bothered about themselves. Right. You know, if if you have sex with guys, then guys are just worried about, you know, whether they look good and muscly and whether their hair looks nice or it's thinning on top or if their back's too hairy, you know, all of those things. And then we're worrying about like bits of sagging. I've got stretch yeah. marks and, <laughs> you know, um, I think it's, yeah, we, we're all just worried about ourselves. And, and also I think one of the glorious things that I discovered when I was dating was, oh my gosh, people fancy me from my photo. Because I know what you said of like, how do you judge someone from your photo? But then when you get matches based based on just your photo, you're like, oh, what? People have seen a photo of me and want to go on a date with me. That's quite nice. <laughs> That's obviously quite confidence building, isn't it? It's yeah, quite, uh, yeah, in a very shallow way. But like it's when very, you're trying, yeah. <laughs> when you're trying to build that confidence back up, like I feel like I knew I was a good person, and my personality is excellent, obviously. Um, but I felt very um, insecure physically mm. because you know I, I've been in and I've been through a difficult time, and I've been with one person. So actually, having people judge me on my appearance and like it was kind of great oh they they like my photo oh yeah. they like my face oh my face must be nice I like that yeah because I guess I like when that. you go up to someone in a bar which is you know when I was at uni that's what we did um you don't know if they fancy you so you can spend a lot of time chatting them up and then <laughs> they'll be and like, then, no, I don't want to go on a date with you or I've got, I'm in a relationship or something. At least on a dating app, you're both single, hopefully. That's why you're there. And, um, and you know, you fancy them as soon as you meet them. And someone I interviewed recently actually said to view a date as I'm going to go and have a nice cocktail. And that's okay. the bar. That's the bar you have to reach of the date. And then anything else is a bonus. And yeah. and if you don't enjoy the company, at least you've had a nice cocktail. That's that's good. I like that. Yeah. Me too. I'll go with that one. Yeah. <laughs> so um so you haven't forayed into dating yet. How's it been breaking the divorced news to everyone? Has that been a Yeah, it's 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 how it's it's a bit um a bit it still sits a bit uncomfortable because I didn't really share my journey with anyone outside of our sort of immediate circle so you know when it happened the email came I just sort of text on my parents <laughs> just to let you know it's official um and then you know a few friends but then now things are happening or I'm at work and people are talking and I have to say oh no I'm divorced and they go oh oh sorry I had no idea because I haven't made it public what happened to, you know, and what was going on. And it does, sometimes I do think, do I say anything? Do I keep quiet? Or do I just say, 
no, I'm divorced. And I've started to find more confidence and say, yeah, no, I'm a divorced. I'm on my own now. Um, and it's not as hard as I thought it was going to be. People have been really lovely, really lovely. But it is quite a hard thing to say, I found. It's taken a long time. It's, it's especially when you maybe see, you know, it's that work thing of like, oh, you haven't seen them for a few years or you speak yeah. to them, but you don't get you know, in depth. And so before, maybe years ago, you will have mentioned a husband. So then yeah. they just take that as that's that's it. And then you have to sort of say, oh, no, they're not there anymore. Yeah, I have actually had a couple of encounters of seeing people I haven't seen for many years and who, who've who known both of us and sort of a comment, oh, well, how are you two? You know, are you two still together? No, we're not. And they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. I can't believe it sort of like no it's a bit complicated but anyway moving on <laughs> do you ever do you feel like you have to explain it or do you just say I'm divorced no I just say and if they say oh gosh what happened I just say it's really complicated yeah yeah it's just a very sad and complicated story and it's yeah not something it's not like he had an affair I had an affair you know a mm. real messy messy one that some people like to share I think just, yeah, it's just not me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do that to him either. I want to protect him as well. Um, so I do just say, oh, no, it's just, it's just sad and complicated and, you know, things have happened. So we're not together. Such an interesting, wasn't it, that people say what happened? Yeah. And it's such a private, emotional thing. It's like saying, I went to the doctor today. And then saying, what happened? <laughs> oh, what are you doing in the doctors? When you do see people in the doctors, don't you? I mean, oh, why are you here? Yeah, people, a lot of people have said that. Mm. Most people have said, oh, what happened? I think because if they knew us from old, they were we were very long-standing and it's been very unexpected from everyone's perspective that, that you just come, why? What happened? I wouldn't do that, personally. No, it's none of my business. If you want to tell me, then you can tell me. Yeah, I think if anyone's listening and you're not divorced and you meet a divorced person, please don't ask them what happened. Just ask them if they're okay, you know? Are you okay? I I tend to say I'm divorced now and living my best life because mm. then people know not to do the, oh, are you oh, okay? Yeah. Voice. Oh. It's funny there's like strategies or like taglines we come up with for our divorce. Like you, you've gone, it's very complicated, is yeah. your tagline. I'm like, yeah. I'm living my best life. <laughs> Back away and appreciate. Perhaps I'll move on to that one at some point. Yeah, I hope you will. I hope we all, yeah. I hope everyone gets to say, I'm divorced, I'm living my best life. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So looking back now that you've come through all of this um, and you're out the other end, is there anything you would say to you in the midst of it all? Or maybe at the beginning when you just discovered everything was going on and you were in full care, taker mode. I'm just thinking if anyone else is there and they're listening, mm. what would you say? I think just take a breath. Just take a breath. And it is everything does pass. It's true. There are... Amongst all of that badness, there was good days as well. It wasn't all awful. And uh, what my biggest thing is I try and remember before we had such a good life um, and such so much love that I try and remember before. I don't want this few years to be the lasting memory of, of my marriage. I want it to be what what we had. Um, and I would, yeah, definitely take a breath, take a moment because everything does pass. Definitely. And don't, don't lose your shit. Like I did have episodes of losing my shit, <laughs> which valid, but probably sometimes were not the best choice. What does losing your shit look like? Probably just being irrational, going off on a tangent using in every sea bomb possible if needed and just 
going 100 miles an hour when if I'd have just sat and taken a breath and not responded always for a little while, your emotions change, don't they? Your your initial knee jerk. Knee jerking was something I definitely have have put to bed now. I don't ever do that. I just definitely knee jerked a lot. Well, I guess you're when you're in that like heightened state of living, mm. you are in that um fight or flight mode, aren't you? So when something yeah. happens, you immediately react because that's the kind of state you're in. And I think I can relate to that. I'm I've definitely learned since my divorce to try and wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Always to respond. I'm still working on it. Um, <laughs> but you know, like think about it for a minute. Don't yeah, immediately scream or whatever it yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. Just sometimes take take a couple of hours to respond because you feel very differently a few hours later. Definitely. And what do you think you've learned? from divorce other than that don't knee jerk reaction I think I've learned that um I can do this I can do this um I am me again and I one thing I've learned is that what I feel like we are brought up to believe we have to be with one person forever and we have to be on that journey and Actually, it doesn't, you don't have to settle. You don't have to settle. It doesn't have to be that way. You can step off that journey. And this is just now a different path for me. This is, this is now, maybe this has taken me into an, a better direction. Maybe I'm going to do more things with my life that I wouldn't have done before. And I can do that. I can do it on my own. I've done lots of things on my own and I'm okay. That's great. Well, that seems like the perfect place to finish. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Are you going to listen to your episode, Elaine, on the divorce (laughs) session? Or are you going to avoid it? No, I'll listen. I'll listen. (laughs) Well, I hope you enjoy it as much as I have talking to you. Thank you so much. Bless you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you because it does make a difference listening to other people. It really does. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum Toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please. Um, It would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, But also it affects our listing in the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on 
Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com, and we have a Patreon account, which means that you can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month. And it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90s-style divorce and heartbreak chat room. And there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast, and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines. And please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.